The Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger, chapters 17 through 26. The first half of this novel, chapters 1 through 16, yes, we're introduced to Holden Caulfield, but the big takeaway is that Holden is trying to find a connection with a place. While there's a lot of characters' names mentioned in different interactions, and Holden's voice is strongly developed in these early chapters, what we are seeing is Holden trying to connect himself to a place. One of the things that we discussed in class is this concept that connecting yourself to a place in many ways protects you from potentially being hurt because places do not traditionally invoke some sort of negative emotion. They don't go away traditionally. They don't change. There might be some alterations along the way. But if you find a deep connection with a school or a city or a town or a community, for the most part, these things offer stability. Holden is at a very difficult time in his life. And we have to consider the fact that Finding stability in something that does not change, like we talked about with the museum, which comes back right here at the end of the novel, is essential to his sort of state of being. But it doesn't work. We saw that with the schools. It has not worked at any of the schools. Even when he leaves Pensy trying to figure out a way to feel connected, a way to say goodbye to this place where he only was for a short period of time, we are left with the sense that he's unsuccessful with finding any connection. So chapters 17 through 26, we move to a different way of connection. And now we are moving towards human connection. He's trying to find stability. He's trying to make himself feel more or less, you could talk about this in a couple of different ways. He's trying to feel sane. We know Holden is struggling emotionally. We know he's struggling with his mental health. But when he starts reaching out to people, we're not seeing him reach out to people who we would consider close friends. It's a series of acquaintances. People who care about Holden enough, who know enough about Holden to interact with him in a way that's got a meaningful element to it. But there's constant moments where Holden is talking about sort of searching and seeking out what essentially is someone to confide in, someone to work with, someone to sort of tell him that things are going to be all right or provide some sort of answer. And we see this go through a wide variety of people and what they represent both just in the moment but also in a big picture way. We learn in chapter 17 that Holden never attended Allie's funeral, which I do think is essential to understanding Holden's problem at the moment. Holden, we know, is having a hard time finding closure with his brother's death. Part of that has to be that while a traditional funeral might not provide complete closure, but not going through that, that ritualistic process, I do think, plays a factor here. The fact that Holden was still in the hospital from damaging his hands so bad 
from breaking the glasses of the garage, the glass windows, excuse me, of the garage, that he couldn't attend the funeral. Which, as readers, as a small detail, we have to know how bad was he injured? How deep were these cuts? To be hospitalized for that extended period of time where he'd miss his brother's funeral, we have to think about those injuries that have to be more severe than maybe they've been talked about or even referenced in the text. So for Holden to do self-harm, which it was, even out of rage and anger, to be hospitalized for that amount of time speaks to sort of the instability which, which he has and also the fact that he's not being comforted by anything and anyone. So that small detail that gets glossed over a lot is really important because for a boy trying to seek closure, having a hard time expressing himself emotionally, trying to figure out how to express emotions, period. We'll see in this section as well that, and we talked about this in class, that he's really critical of emotions. The phoniness of the movies, the phoniness of the woman crying at the movies. This idea that if you are expressing yourself emotionally, it can't be honest or real. But yet there's multiple times throughout the text that Holden is crying. And he's openly admitting that. He's not hiding that fact. He doesn't seem embarrassed by it that he's walking the streets of New York or leaving a bar crying. It's just something that he is letting us know. And at the end of the story, the tears of joy he feels, or at least the idea that he could have cried, watching his sister on the carousel, there's a lot of emotional output. And he's quick to point out emotional phoniness, and that's possibly why he's dealing with these issues, because he's trying to feel his feelings, but he has no avenue to do so. So when he speaks to Sally... He's trying to speak to someone his age. I, I, I think that is something that we need to take note of. He's speaking to someone his age, someone who is providing him a mutual experience. They've had a similar experience, just life experience. They've known each other enough. And we get the Holden Caulfield being sarcastic, the comments about the Ivy League people around the guy she runs into that she thinks she knows all his sort of commentary of everyone is fantastic. But there's that level of sadness when Holden tries to open up and she keeps saying to him, stop screaming at me. Stop yelling at me. And his comment back to the reader is, I, I wasn't, I wasn't screaming. I wasn't yelling. That not only is Holden losing control, we have to also think that he's losing his ability to actually present an honest story at times that his the way he's remembering he's getting emotional he's his ideas are just running all over the place she points out that he's so scattered he's saying all these things all at once and he's overwhelming her and she's trying to change the subject and he knows it but while that's going on she doesn't a, she is not able to get him off of it. He keeps going on. And the idea that she, he is yelling at her. And this is the post ice skating. They're in their, their socks. That was the thing he pointed out. 
And you got to think about it, that being yelled at in this moment, she's another high school girl being yelled at by this very erratic high school boy who she thought she was just going on a date with and instead getting a therapy session where she's been put in the position of as a therapist. And there's that moment when he asks her to kind of run away with him. And she says, we're just, we're just kids. We're basically children. What will we do? And his response is, we'd work and I'd get a job and, and all this stuff. And then she says, well, that's what we could do all that after college. We can get married after college. And I think what's important about the interaction with Sally is that he then says, which I think is great, he says, you can't, it's not the same. Because once you graduate college, you become an adult, you have all this responsibility. So early in the text, we talked about this, we felt that Holden was trying to get out of his childhood, get out of his teenage years, to get into adulthood because adults have all the answers, but he's also willing to admit the fact that with adulthood has a lot of responsibility. He doesn't want that. It'll be too late. It's now. It's in this moment where he's between this concept of being a kid, where it was innocent and nice and wholesome and the world was protected and things were comfortable to this ugly period of his life where things are constantly shifting and changing to then, well, once we get to adulthood, it's all over then. So the race to adulthood theory, while not necessarily wrong, isn't just completely streamlined here. Holden wants out, but what he wants is different. He wants something that he does not have the responsibility because with responsibility comes emotions and caring and people hurt you, whether it's their fault or not. He's not mad at Allie for dying, but Allie's death hurts him. So by putting himself out there, which we'll tie this at the end of the novel, is part of this. It's essential to understanding this interaction between him and Sally and why it's so important. And he leaves her there. He just leaves her. So then he tries the next person, Carl Luce, and Carl Luce is older. He goes to Columbia. And a couple things to point out here. The, the minor details in this text are all very affluent. And it speaks and reeks of sort of that old money behavior, if we want to tie this back into sort of a great Gatsby-like feel. Okay, the idea of the old money, new money, Holden Caulfield represents old money. The fact that there's a summer home, the fact that that way and how he knows people, the schools being mentioned, everything is affluent. The people that he is interacting with. That's why the inter- interaction with the prostitute and Maurice was kind of outside of his wheelhouse. These are people that were more working class from the streets per se. And we have this idea that that's not his world. The world he lives in is, is affluent, is privileged. And all the sort of small notes of that is, impo- is important here. Because remember, with affluence, a lot of times comes protection. The falls aren't that bad. The sort of stiff upper lip, everything's going to work out because you have the financial support for failure is... Is this something, is a failure is a choice at some point? It's a weird way to think about it. Holden is in a position, which I think we have to talk about, is that no matter how many times he fails, he gets just put into another expensive private school. He doesn't fail and get put to work. 
he fails and he moves into something else. So he's not even allowed to fail and feel punishment for being, for being a failure. It's, it's, he's yelled at for failing, which Phoebe points out later. But the failure is just kind of glossed over. He's moved on. So that safety net element, I do think plays a factor in Holden's emotional disposition. He has a hard time gripping on to what is good, what is bad. Because the thing that is so traumatic, his brother's death, is so real. But everything else seems to be sort of glossed over and pretty and nice and safe. That there is such a difference between the way he lives his life and this cold reality of death that he experiences, which we'll talk about with the James Castle character as well, that they're too separated. They're too far apart from each other. The two realities seem too different. How can we live a world with such sadness while the majority of my life is just coasting? Where failure is just being moved to a nicer private school, another private school. So he meets with Carl Luce. Carl Luce is a Columbia student. He's older than Holden. He is presented us as being sort of sophisticated in the eyes of Holden. He comes to meet with Holden, even though he seems like aloof and not really wanting to engage with Holden. Holden acts immature, asks him a lot of dumb questions. But the important part is at the end, when Carl Luce talks about Holden needing, needing being, to be, uh, needs a psychoanalyst is a term they used. Basically saying you need to go to therapy. He mentions his father. That's his father's job. And this concept that Holden at least has been acting and behaving this way for a while. Enough to the point where someone like Carl Luce would be, yeah, I, this is part of who Holden is. He has an immature mind. His mind's scattered. He needs, he needs help. So now he's seeking out someone older than him who's, got, who's not an adult, who's in that in-between stage, who's an intellectual per se, but has a, who knows Holden enough to say that Holden needs help. You need help. I told you this. I can't, I can't live your life for you, but you need this. If you don't do it, whatever. And it comes from this sort of very dismissive behavior. But at the same time, it's important that that's pointed out. That people have noticed this enough to say that this guy needs help. But yet we're not getting that sense from Holden's parents. And we do get the fact that DB seems to be engaged with Holden, but he's also not present. And we know when we learn in this section as well that DB is a war vet, much like J.D. Salinger. And he touches on the fact that when DB came home from war, he wasn't the same. And I do think that there's elements of post-traumatic stress disorder that we see throughout this novel presented through DB and then later even through Holden when we talk about James Castle here in a second. So Holden gets too drunk, he's crying, he gets sick, he goes for a walk, he ends up back at his home where he talks to Phoebe. We get the affluence of their home in their apartment, we get everything about the father being a lawyer, the places mom and dad are traveling, we get the sense that the family is too busy, whether, doesn't mean that they're not good people, doesn't mean they're not a good family, but they have their lives. And they, they bring up the fact that, and Holden mentions that the fact that if he were to die, that his mother would be so upset for losing another child. So that is present there. That is there. And 
when they start talking with Phoebe, when he starts talking with Phoebe, the idea that comes down to name one thing you like, and he can't think of anything, he mentions that his mind seems scattered. He can't focus. And the thing he starts thinking about, not only are these two nuns, which is sort of random, but it's this character named James Castle. James Castle was an individual who was bullied, who, while being bullied, to, to not, he would not take it back what he said. Remember, he was being bullied about what he said. He jumps out of a window to his death. And he happened to be wearing Holden's sweater. And this speaks to this bigger point that Holden makes off the backside of this whole thing. When he starts talking about, when he names his favorite thing as Allie, and Phoebe basically says, well, Allie's not here anymore, more or less, and he cuts her off. And it speaks to this point that Holden keeps meeting people that he deems is they're horrible in his eyes. Or they're not as good as Allie. Or they weren't as good as even a guy like James Castle, who he barely knew. But those people, James Castle, Allie, they're dead and yet these other people exist and Holden is mad about it. He points out that those guys only got expelled. They didn't go to jail. They didn't get charges pressed. And it's important because what you have to think about here is that Holden is trying to figure out why awful things happen to people or even better, why awful things happen to good people. And that's essential here. It's essential to understand that that is where Holden's mind is. That when he's talking about his best day, he cannot move past the fact that he lives in a world where bad things happen. And the punishment for those people who sometimes cause those things, whether intentional or unintentional, doesn't always meet the crime. Which goes back to the affluent world that he's living in. But the death of James Castle is another element. You know, he talks about being in the shower and hearing something fall out the window and thinking it was anything but a, did never cross his mind that it could be a body. And everyone seeing the dead body. You have to put in the fact that there is some post-traumatic stress there. That he never probably dealt with that. Did anyone talk about it? What happened? The aftermath of it. It's mentioned in this sort of triggered by what is your best day and he can't move past it. So once again, leaving Phoebe's, he cries. He's upset. She gives him money, her kindness, which I think we have to assume he believes he does not deserve. Makes him so upset. He's at this point now just going to walk the streets to go to Mr. Antolini's and we got to think about this scenario now. He went to Sally, who was a classmate, more or less, not same school, but same age. Carl Luce, who's a former classmate, but is in college. His younger sister, so we went family, but younger. So we went from a younger person to a, he went from his sister, excuse me, he went from Sally being someone who is his age, Carl Luce is older, to Phoebe younger. Now we go to the teacher. Mr. Antolini, we got to think about what he represents. He was his favorite teacher at, his, at the school. He was the man who covered up and took James Castle to the infirmary. And Holden makes a point that he didn't care about getting blood and stuff on his jacket. Something that I thought was interesting that you mentioned that. And Mr. Annalini gives really great advice to Holden. 
He says, I don't want you to become an angry person, more or less. You're going to become an angry person if you don't change. He points out an immature person wants to die for a cause, but a mature person wants to live for a cause. He talks to Holden about the fact that Holden's not the first person to ever feel this way. And that if you commit yourself to an education and reading, you're going to find out that there are so many other people have felt like you, that you're not alone. But then it all goes south. Because all the advice is good, but then the moment when Holden goes to sleep, Mr. Antolini is there and Holden wakes up and Mr. Antolini is petting his head. It's an awkward, uncomfortable moment. And we can debate what, was, what are the intentions of Mr. Antolini. Ultimately, we don't know. And even Holden doesn't know. It's mentioned later that he, is, he's, he feels all, starts feeling bad about maybe he misinterpreted the scenario. It doesn't really matter. Because Holden felt uncomfortable. That's what's important. Whether Mr. Antolini was being a creep or not, Holden felt uncomfortable. And suddenly all the good advice that he just received becomes null and void because he can't think about that advice without thinking about Mr. Antolini and then thinking about how he creeped him out. And how that awkward feeling when Holden mentions this sort of thing happens to me. Well, what does that mean? I don't think we're supposed to believe that Holden has been sexually assaulted in his life or has been a a victim of assault or sexual abuse or anything like that. But I think we are to believe, I think we take that step, that people let Holden down. I think that is a safe way to look at it. People let Holden down. And once again, the great advice he gets gets completely washed out by this awkward, awkward incident, which as a reader, you don't want. You want this to be the, this is the moment where someone finally helps Holden become grounded again, puts him back on a path, and it doesn't happen. And I think this is what sets off truly the the worst downfall of Holden, is him walking in the streets, saying, speaking to his brother, don't let me disappear. Every time he takes a step off the sidewalk, feeling like he's falling into oblivion. When he goes to Phoebe's school and sees the curse word, it, it, it enrages him. Not because of the word itself, but the sort of the destruction of the purity of children going to school. Why would they, should they have to see that? Him then interacting with the small children at the museum, which is positive and nice and sweet, but then passing out, blacking out, and having diarrhea, which is pointed out in the, in the bathroom, this is a, he's having a physical breakdown as well as a mental breakdown. And by the time he meets back up with Phoebe, it's Phoebe who says, I want to go with you, and him saying no. And it's Phoebe who doesn't want to lose another brother. You get that sense. DB's not there anymore. Allie has passed away. Holden's saying he's going to go out west. And remember, Holden doesn't feel connected to New York. He talked about going, every time he talks about leaving, it's somewhere where there's space. And what we have to think about this is that after all the interaction with his sister, what grounds him again is providing something for Phoebe, giving something of himself, even though it's probably her own money at this point, to ride the carousel. And watching her on the carousel brings joy to Holden. 
he stands in the rain and watches her go through. And he makes the comment about the ring that the kids all try to grab and she's trying to grab it. This idea that you have to have experiences and let kids fail and things will be okay. And that's just part of life. And there's this element there of growth where holding this sort of finally getting the fact that life's not always going to be perfect, but whether or not he can apply those lessons to himself, we don't know. He sees it for once in his sister who, remember, he thinks everyone's smarter than him. He thought all his brother, his both brothers are smarter than him. He thinks his sister's smarter than him. But the guys at school always are, you know, lousy people, to use his word. So that moment there, will he be someone who can forgive himself? Even though there's nothing he could have done with Allie, could he, can, can he forgive himself for not being able to save his brother? Can he forgive himself for missing the funeral? Can he forgive himself for his behavior? And that's why chapter 26 is so important because in chapter, 20, in chapter 26, when his psychoanalyst that he's meeting with at his recovery center is saying, are you going to apply yourself? He goes, you never know how you're going to act till you're there. This idea that you can't predict how you're going to be in a situation until you're in the situation. It's a perfect response for Holden, Holden Caulfield and who he is. And the story ends with the line that we'll paraphrase here, more or less saying that if you care about people, if you invest in people, they're going to hurt you and you can't protect yourself from it. And the only way to protect yourself were to go through life not caring about people and in isolation. And he desperately wants that earlier in the story, but he knows it's not realistic because Holden is someone who is too emotional. He feels his feelings. He is someone from a personal standpoint who wants to fix things, who wants to help people. He's too empathetic to live in isolation. And the sadness of the story is that we don't get a sense that he's rooted in a, in a, in a home life that's going to provide for him beyond an affluent existence that's going to allow a lot of opportunity. But I think it's important that DB is mentioned here both at the beginning and the end because DB is there checking in on him. DB is the one who's going to drive him back home as life begins to move forward for Holden. And while we don't know what comes next for Holden's life, we have to at least believe that the connection between the two brothers and what they both went through is essential to how things are going to move forward. That while the parents are going through their own issues and might not have be present in this story, the, the connection between the brother, DB and Holden, and obviously Phoebe and Holden is going to be what grounds Holden for the rest of his life.